Welcome to Stories of Hope. This podcast segment is part of Michael Crossan's itinerant preaching ministry. The Stories of Hope segments are a collection of interviews from various people from all walks of life who share their stories about how they discovered God's hope and purpose in life's darkest hours. I pray that these stories bless you and encourage you and help you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Hi there, welcome to this episode of Stories of Hope. My next guest is a great friend of mine from my days at Belfast Bible College, David Wright, who is the grandson of one of my great aunt's best friends. And you can't make that up, can you, in Northern Ireland? It's always such a small world in this place. Isn't that right, David? So David, tell us a bit about yourself, uh, how old you are, where you're from, and where you're currently at. Hi, Michael. Yeah, it's uh, it's great to be on. Thank you for for having me on. Um, I've I've really enjoyed listening to the the past episodes, and uh, yeah, thrilled to be here. Um, yeah. So uh, as Michael said, my name is David. Um, I'm almost thirty. That's a terrible thought. Um, I'm almost thirty too. It's okay, bro. It, we'll get through this. Awful. It's uh, coming up at the end of August, and I can see it you know, creeping up in the distance slowly. Um, uh, so yeah, turning 30 later this year. Uh, I'm originally from uh, Larne slash Carrick Fergus. Um, spent my childhood between the two towns, really. And um, lived there, lived there till uh, just over five years ago. And uh, then I moved to Guernsey in the Channel Islands to serve as a youth pastor in an Elam church there for uh, two and a half, two and three quarter years. And I'm currently serving as the pastor of uh, New Forest Christian Fellowship, which is our Elam church in Ringwood on the edge of the New Forest uh, in the south of England. That's, that is great. So tell me about your upbringing. Were you brought up in a Christian home? Uh, this is in Northern Ireland. So are you going to fall in the categories as a 100%? I'll send the bits. Or, no, I'm a rebel. What category do you fall in? <laughs> well, Michael, you know me. Do I strike you as a rebel in any way, shape, or form? <laughs> well, you come from one. I don't know what to expect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's a fair point. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, um, so my, my parents weren't Christian. Um, I was actually born before my mum and dad were married. Um, so, so my parents weren't, um, weren't Christian. Um, but my grandmother was. And my, you know, earlier childhood memories revolve around my, my grandmother taking me to church from from I was no age. And, um, you know, so it, I, I often say, you know, I was brought up in a semi-Christian home because of her her influence. And, um, you know, so, so that's kind of how I was first, you know, exposed to church was her bringing me along. And um, actually, my very first. I'll give you a laugh. My very first memory of church is one that involves being in great pain, but getting sweets. Um, and I, I realize I need to elaborate on that. Um, so I would have been, I, you know, I would have been, I don't know, three years old or something at the time. And um, Carrick Elam, you know, my home church uh, at the time, like many churches, they had pews instead of the, you know, the, the chairs that we have now. So they the, the long pews. And they used to have... This shows you how health and safety was so rubbish in the 90s. They used to have heating tubes underneath the pews. Oh, yeah. um, and I remember as a child just touching one of these heating tubes midway through the service. And obviously it was on and it was 
incredibly painful. And I remember just crying and screaming and my grandmother picked me up and, you know, ran to the, um, you know, to the toilets to start cooling my heart, my hand down and stuff, running the water on it. And, um, you know, as she was doing that, the, um, one of the BB officials, the boys brigade officials had obviously seen me crying and he followed up and, um, he opened up the BB tuck shop to give me some sweets to calm me down. Um, you know, so yeah, my earlier, my earliest memories of church are being in great pain and getting free sweets. So every cloud and all that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's always a funny story. You know, I I share with people about when we talk earliest memories, that was, that was my earliest memory of church. Um, Yes, yeah, so you, you grew up in a semi-Christian home and yeah. this godly grandmother who took you to church and you got free sweets out of one incident before. <laughs> um, so I tell you, you grew up in all the organisations, but when was that moment in your life where you realised, hang on, these stories mean re- these are real to me. I need Christ. When, when did it sort of click for you? It's, it's a very good question, um, Michael. I, I can't pinpoint a date I can't say to you it was on this date at this time Mm -hmm. um I I guesstimate it to be around the age of five Mm -hmm. um you know I I think that's kind of where I've I've always approximated that um I you know I, I just vaguely remember in the back of my head somewhere you know about being in church and and you know just realizing there was something different here um, and actually, although neither of my parents were Christian, one of them, and I'm not, I can't remember which, but one of them actually prayed the sinner's prayer with me, oh. um, which is amazing um, in and of itself. Um, so, um, yeah, so um, from a very young age um, is when I first became a Christian. I don't, well, I know for certain I didn't really know what it meant. I didn't know, you know. I suppose like all of us, when we first come to faith, we don't know it all, um, you know, so I came with a very simplistic understanding really of, of, of who God was and who Jesus was, um, you know, so, 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 so sort of from that young age of five um, is when I first came to faith, if you like. Mm-hmm. And through that, you came to faith, but I don't know about you, in Northern Ireland, there was a time where being a Christian, yeah, was cool. But there was times where I might have been sort of building a secondary school or anything. Did you experience about that or was that just me? Um, no, I did. I mean, I was bullied quite a bit as a teenager, um, not just for the faith element. Um, you know, I was bullied um, predominantly because of my weight growing up and, um, you know, was bullied for, for a couple of other things. Um, th- there was possibly an element of that because of, my faith, I was quite, um, quite open about my faith. Um, as a teenager, I was quite, you know, you know, it, it was always out there. Um, I guess looking back, hindsight's a wonderful thing, Michael, as you know, I was probably at times a little bit borderline obnoxious when it came to showing off my faith. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't think it was done with that intent. It was probably done with the intent of this is a really cool thing. I want people to see that. Um, but I could understand why it would rub some people up the wrong way now looking back. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I was bullied a little bit growing up. Some of it linked to faith. Um, but, you know, it, it, it was a, yeah, it, it was a challenging upbringing. I think 
you know, one of the, the things I've learned, you know, I've, I've worked with children and young people for many years. One of the things I've learned with teenagers, especially, is that, you know, everyone's kind of trying to figure out who they are. Everyone's trying to work out their own identity. And, and so often what happens, you know, teenagers, especially, they've got their own insecurities. They're trying to navigate this uh, this uh, this incredibly confusing, incredibly challenging time, and so they do end up lashing out on others, maybe yeah. more so than we see at other generations. Yeah. Um, you know, I definitely lashed out on other people. I definitely hurt other people along the way. Um, you know, I think it is part and parcel of of being a teenager and and kind of growing into and learning who you are um, as a human being. Um, you know, so I don't. You know, I, I don't hold any grudges or anything like that to anybody who may have, um, you know, who may have wronged me. Of course, it's scriptural that we forgive them and move on, um, which, which I've done. Mm-hmm. And and through that, you know, we you went through school, but then what made you go to study theology and end up in Belfast Bible College? <laughs> That's question I ask myself from time to time. <laughs> I'm joking, and I want hears from them. I'm joking, but what led you to go to Belfast Bible College? It's theology. It's a great question and a great story. Um, it was never my plan uh, to go to Belfast Bible College. Um, I so from a young age. Let me backtrack a little. From a young age, um, I've always felt that I would end up in ministry at some point. Um, from a very very young age and and people who you know older people who watched me grow up in curriculum you know said the same thing that you know they felt that that God was going to lead me into ministry um can I tell you why I started in ministry and I'll circle back to the the, the Bible college um so I started really ministry in my early teens um it started really by kind of um taking on some organizational work with um like sorting ushers for communion and collections and stuff like that um you know we don't necessarily associate that as ministry but it it is a form of ministry um so i started doing that um around about the age of 12 uh, and that just came off the back of me having a conversation with one of our uh church elders a great guy john collier and i just had a conversation with him about wanting to do more in church and he asked if i would you know would be interested in doing that um and then a couple of years later so when i was 14 i went to the pastor of Caracalum at the time george redmond and um i said george i think uh, i think god is is calling me to preach um 14 year old me was a lot bolder than 29 year old me <laughs> you know um so i went in with, with with this boldness and and you know i think god's calling me to preach and george to his credit um you know was very open to that and we spent a few weeks kind of rehearsing and and going through different things and i, I wrote a sermon and and uh, and everything and um a few weeks later then i i had the opportunity to preach at um at our sunday morning service um which again looking back was 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 massive because when I speak to people now who are starting out in their preaching ministry, you know, they're, they're given the slot of a midweek because there's less people there and it's easier to do damage control if it doesn't work out, or they're maybe given a Sunday evening because again, it's a smaller crowd. They tend to be a little bit more forgiving and understanding. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, you know, some people, they, 
they do tag team preaching so they do a bit and a more experienced preacher will do a bit and, and so on and um, I'm not saying any of those are wrong because it's got to be a case-by-case situation but for me you know George didn't do any of that he you know he gave me the opportunity to preach at our Sunday morning service and um, I mean I thought it was a disaster I'm not gonna lie I thought it was awful I don't think I made eye contact more than once I think at one point I was hugging onto the pulpit I was so nervous and um, I I actually after doing the the preach I um, returned to my seat and um, I was a little bit like you know when Jonah goes to Nineveh and God saves them and then Jonah takes a strop with God I was a little bit like that I was a little bit like God how could you put me through that I'm so embarrassed how could you inflict that upon me and so I was sulking in my chair um, but while I was sulking, George had got up and he had tied a few loose ends and, and then the Holy Spirit just began to move and we had, um, you know, I think we had a, a word of knowledge, I think we had a, a message in tongues and it was interpreted, uh, interpreted sorry, uh, and the Holy Spirit just began to do things and so I, I kind of said before the Lord, okay God, maybe once more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's how I started in ministry when I was when I was 14. Um, if you fast forward to the age of 17, when it came to um, going through UCAS and selecting university courses and stuff like that, um, I had applied to be a primary school teacher. That was, you know, my dream growing up was to be a primary school teacher in my head, um, because we, we love making plans. Yeah. Um, my plan was to go become a primary school teacher, do that for a bit, and then in, in later life, pursue going into ministry because, you know, in my head, I guess at the time, that was an old man's game. Um, but I was standing, so, I, so I'd applied for Stramulus, I'd been approved for Stramulus, I had a place at Stramulus, and um, I think as my backup or my insurance choice, it was theology at Queen's which was taught at Belfast Bible College. And um, so I was standing on a beach uh, down in um, Malile at um, Ganaway. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody familiar with the BB will know that reference. Um, yes. Standing on a beach and um, it couldn't have been any more than two weeks before term started and I was due to start at Stramulus. And um, for a long time, I'd been praying, God, help me to get closer to you. God, help me to grow my knowledge of you. Help me to know you better. And, and on that beach, God really challenged me because, you know, I'd been praying for, you know, I'd been praying to get to know God better. I'd been praying for my faith to grow. And yet I had an opportunity to go and study that and do that. But I was turning it down to go and be a teacher. And in that moment, you know, in that moment, I really felt God say, well, actually, I don't want you to go into teaching. I want you to go and do this opportunity. I want you to go and study theology. So for me, it, it wasn't a decision that I made, um, you know, off my own bat. It wasn't the decision that I, I ever thought I would make. Um, but God, you know, really nudged me in that direction. And you know, thankfully, he knows what he's doing. He knew what he was doing in that moment. Um, because as I look back, you know, it, it, over the last you know few years of my life and where I am now, you know, I, I couldn't imagine being anywhere else. I couldn't imagine being a teacher. I, I, I just would not be, you know, happy in that role because, 
you know, this is this is where God wanted me to be. So um, that's how I came to BBC. It wasn't a well thought out plan. Um, there was a lot of scrambling between Stramillis and Queens and UCAS trying to sort of get out of my choice and, and pick the backup choice. And, and um, you know, it, it was a tough sell to the family, um, yeah. particularly those who aren't saved because teaching was the safe choice. Yeah. You know, teaching was the the guarantee, you know, as much as anything's guaranteed, but it was the higher chance of getting a job. It was the better paying degree. Um, and, and so sort of having to, you know, explain to, to, to family and, and, and friends who aren't Christian and say, well, actually, I'm not going to study to be a teacher. Um, I'm going to study theology that, that, you know, doesn't offer the same career prospects, yeah. um, you know, was tough for them to, to kind of understand. And, and um, you know, it, it took some of them a while to kind of wrap their head around that. But again, you know, looking back, I think they would all agree 100% it was the right thing to do. And, um, you know, thankfully, thankfully, God was, you know, was, was taking control and he was guiding, um, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm really, really thankful for, for that. Yeah, it's, you know, for those who are probably, or I don't know, because some people may have this call for ministry and they go for the CF option. Hmm. But the question is, is it just because it's safe or is it God? See, God's well, you find that real safety and peace. That's what I find. That's what I hear mm. in, in your story. Because, yeah, you could take a safe option, but it's not the right option. No. And no. that led you to going into theology and then, you know, I think making a very good podcast host in the making right here later on. Um, I say that with humility, of course, only joking. <laughs> um, but then, you know, fast forward, you graduate. Was it all plain sailing or what happened after you graduate? <laughs> I don't think any portion of my life has been plain sailing. Um, as I, so I, I tend to sarcastic humour there, but let's just be honest because people try to romanticise theology students as, okay, they've, they've done their three years, they'll probably know the ancient languages off by heart, and let's be honest, we're probably still Googling. I barely know English off by heart, never mind any <laughs> other language. Preach the choir here, bro. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you think, oh, we've got a job on the line, have a nice cushy manse, might have a dog mm. collar. Some may have that and also tough to you, but others, it's difficult. Where did your journey in ministry begin after Bible college? Yeah, well, I mean, for, first, I mean, we, we joke about life not being easy, but, you know, Christ, uh, to take ministry out of the equation here, as believers, Christ never promised us an easy life. Exactly. Um, in actual fact, as a believer, you know, uh, Scripture talks about the challenges of living as a believer, and actually it's, it's more difficult. Um, you know, Christ talks about, you know, each person counting up the cost before deciding to follow him. So we were never promised that this would be a, an easy an easy ride by any means. Um, when I came out of uh, Bible college, uh, from a ministry point of view, I uh, spent some time doing some youth work at um, uh, Larnelum Church for a bit and um, very, very briefly at Larnelum Church and then Larn Church of God for uh, for a couple of years and, um, you know, looked after the, the youth side of things there. So children's work, youth work was kind of um, where I, I sort of sensed my gifting at that time. And, and for a season, it, it, it probably was there. Um, 
And then in 2016, I think it was, so five years ago, um, I was bivocational. I was working full time and, and doing church work sort of at the weekends voluntarily. Um, but I found myself in a, in a job um, in, a, in, a, in a call center and it was in a job that I grew to hate. And I, and I use that, you know, such a strong word, but I, I use it here and I mean it 100%. I grew to absolutely loathe and despise the job that I was in. And, and um, God really, really challenged my faith on that because I had been actively looking for another job for, for a couple of months, but I didn't want to leave this job, even though I hated it. I didn't want to leave it and not have something else lined up. Mm -hmm. um because it just didn't make sense to do that and and so i was applying i was praying and and uh was driving into work one one morning and i just i I just knew it was going to be a bad day Mm -hmm. you know when you get that in your spirit and you just know something bad is coming i I just knew that and um i'm sitting in the you know in the car as a passenger and i'm praying and i'm going god please just get me out of here like just give me something. And um, I felt God really challenged me in that, you know, I felt him say to me, you know, do you trust me? And, um, you know, I think, well, bit of a silly question, God, yeah, you know, of course I trust God. Um, But then I, I felt challenged even more. And it was a case of, well, do you trust me enough that if you go and hand in your notice, I'll sustain you until something else comes along? And um, I'll be very honest, Michael, it was a lot more difficult to say yes to that question. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did. I went in, I handed in my notice and um, was unemployed for about six months. Uh, and in that time, God did. He, he sustained me. He provided financially what I needed. I, I, I wasn't lacking. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't getting into debt with people to cover things, you know, um, everything I needed he just always provided as, as he does, you know, that, that great hymn, great is thy faithfulness. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Um, And so I went through that, that very challenging period um, of not working and, 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 you know, all of that. But in that time, God was really doing something inside of me. Um, And that was, God was preparing me for leaving Northern Ireland to pursue ministry because I had always up until that point always been a homebird you know no desire to go outside of Northern Ireland no desire you know I'm the I was the kind of person that after you know 10 days on holiday I was looking forward to getting back home I was that kind of person and um, I had no desire or aspirations to to leave Northern Ireland ever I couldn't see myself doing it but in that period, you know, God really began to, to make it clear to me that, um, you know, that, 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 that I was going to, to have to leave Northern Ireland to, to, to pursue the, the ministry. And that's where he, he wanted me to, to, to kind of move my attention to. Um, I, and so I, I then left Northern Ireland and went to Guernsey as the youth pastor. Uh, and it was all God, it was all him directing. And, you know, without that period of, um, I, I, I guess without that period of being unemployed and, and sort of depending on him all the more, you know, in that time, it probably made me 
more open and more in tune with what the Holy Spirit was saying and how God was was changing me. Um, and it brought me to that point of, of yeah, being willing um, to, to, to move outside of Northern Ireland, um, you know, as, as, as God was leading me to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, you told me a story off recording about your interview. <laughs> yes. Come on. So, sure. Come on. So I, I don't think, um, you know, I don't think the interview and the application process for the job in Guernsey could have gone much worse. Um, I, the first thing was the, the form, uh, the application form had to be filled out by hand uh, and I didn't, I typed it and printed it and posted it off. Uh, so that was, that was the first, uh, first strike, if, if you like. Um, we did the, first interview we did was was through Skype and um you know that that went uh well enough in that they then brought me over for a personal interview and um I when I travel I travel very casually so I'm typically a t-shirt and jogging bottoms kind of guy when I travel and um for some unknown reason I didn't managed to pack my clothes for my interview my nice I packed my nice shirt but I didn't pack any of my nice jeans so um I only had like one or maybe two pairs of jogging bottoms for the entire three days that I was there so I show up to we actually went out for dinner first um I show up to this dinner and then for the interview in in a a t-shirt and a pair of jogging bottoms like I mean it's just you know everything your careers teachers at school tell you not to do for an interview I pretty much did uh I filled out the form wrong I, I showed up you know dressed terribly um you know but I again you know humanly speaking you know I look at that through my human eyes um and think you know humanly speaking would I have have employed me maybe maybe not um but God you know God knows what he was doing God was was working in that um and they went on to offer me the role and I spent um, you know, two and a half years um, serving as as their youth pastor. Um, I think that's right. Um, but yeah, it's it just just a, a, an amazing, and it's a funny story of you know how I you know had done things wrong. I had you know I I I don't know if I made a good impression on them or not. I, uh, you'd have to ask them. But um, I will. Know, don't God worry. was. Hmm? I will. Don't worry. um but you know it's just a a, another great example of you know god leading and god opening the right door and uh, you know we we were chatting before we started recording you know how would i sum up my story my testimony and it is that phrase god knows what he's doing because i keep coming back to that that you know there there have been moments through my life and we've touched on them a couple of you know a couple of examples where i had no clue where i was going or what I was doing but he did um and so when I'm going through tough periods or when I'm faced with big decisions I keep coming back to that well I'm going to give it to him and depend on him because he knows what he's doing you know I may not but that's okay because he does Mm -hmm. and I know him so that's okay um but yeah it's um yeah it's just a great story of, of how God brought that opportunity to be yeah and you were there for about 10 of the years, seeing God move, and then they were hoping you to go to, to um, yeah. 
can't even pronounce the name of it, New Forest. New Forest. Yeah, so um, I while I was there in Guernsey, I started um, Elam's Minister in Training mm-hmm. process and um, uh, started that well it was it was after a year anyway being in the role it might be more but um started training to be a minister in training and and kind of during that um you know during that i started to feel a little bit unsettled um which hadn't been the case previously i was very happy very content but i started to feel a little bit unsettled and you know started to feel that actually the role wasn't right for me i, I wasn't you know i wasn't content there i wanted to kind of move on to something else. And I really felt that it was the right time to look at going into senior church leadership. So senior pastor, senior minister. And um, I remember our regional leader had come over to the island and um, we were just out for a coffee and um, he, he just asked, you know, how are you going or something? How are you doing? And um, I hadn't planned on mentioning to him that I was feeling unsettled. I hadn't planned on bringing it up and as soon as he he asked the question how are you doing well it it just it came out before I knew you know it was just and we had a really good frank conversation and and, you know he was was great in saying that you know well let's let's pray about it let's see what opportunities you know are there um you know he said he felt that it it wasn't the right role for me and and you know perhaps my gifting lay elsewhere and so um you know, he began to do what he needed to to pair me with with a potential church, and um, I, um, I I then had the opportunity to come and, and interview for this position at New Forest Christian Fellowship. And um, any further, did you wear t-shirt and joggers, or did you wear a no. suit this time? Well, so there's another funny story here too. So, <laughs> um, so. Um, we were, tr- we were trying to get the dates together and, and work things out and for the interview and stuff. And um, it just so happened that my grandmother was coming from Belfast over to Guernsey and there was no direct flight. So we, we ended up usually having to transit through Southampton, which isn't far from the church. And um, so I said to the guys, I said, look, I'm rather than them paying for new flights and accommodation, all of that, I said, look, I'm going to be in Southampton airport on this date you know, can you guys come down? I said, I'll change the flight to a later, later on that day. And they did, they came down. So I interviewed for the position of senior pastor for this church in the Costa Coffee at Southampton Airport. And I, um, it it was brilliant. We had um, two of the leadership come down. We did the interview. Um, One of the guys, I, you know, I I was better dressed. I have to say I was in a nice pair of jeans. I was in a shirt. I was in a waistcoat and, um, you know, one of the guys had just moved house, so he'd been painting and decorating. So he was out in a t-shirt and trousers covered in paint. Um, and it was great. I actually felt overdressed, so I unbuttoned the waistcoat very quickly. Um, but you know, people, you know, ministry, you know, ministry isn't all, you know, sometimes ministry is kind of put on a pedestal, you know, certainly when we touched on it earlier about manses and all of that sort of stuff. You know, but for me, you know, we interviewed for for this position, you know, over a cup of coffee in you know in a, in a an airport coffee shop uh, which is wonderful and um you know we went away after the interview and they obviously prayed about it I prayed about it and um within a couple of days I knew it was the right thing and I you know I, I 
said before the Lord and I'd, I'd said to a couple of family members, you know, if they offer it to me, I'm going to take it because I think it's the right thing to do. Um, you know, at the same time, I'm praying, God, you know, if I'm wrong here, if this isn't the right thing, you know, shut that door, you know. Um, but they didn't. They offered me it. And, um, you know, here here we are two, uh, two and a half years later, you know, which is, um, you know, it's just wonderful. It's funny, Michael, because we we make plans for ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, and and um, growing up, I had ambitions and life goals and stuff I wanted to do by the time I was 30 mm-hmm. and there's a lot on that list that I haven't accomplished there's a lot on that list that you know th- that I might have wanted to achieve at that stage but when I look now at where I'm at and, and what God has done like there's nowhere else I'd rather be mm-hmm. you know I'm, I'm where he has put me for this season I've you know I've you know, he has done so much in my life that I didn't expect. Um, and, and it's just, it's just wonderful. So, you know, I've, I've been quite reflective this last few months as I, you know, as I think about turning 30 and, you know, just, I, I've just got to a point where I'm so incredibly grateful for his hand on my life. I'm just so incredibly thankful for where he's led me, the things he's done, the, doors he's opened the doors he's closed as well um you know when those doors close they can be uh painful in that moment it can be a tough tough uh thing but actually you know god knows what he's doing mm-hmm. um and so you know as i've been kind of taking stock um i i do just find for him and what he has done um in my life so far and it's it's evident to see that God's hand is on your life mm. from that young age to now, and even now in this pandemic, what's what God been teaching you? Before we close, what's God been teaching you in, in this season of COVID nineteen and being a pastor in a pandemic and being online? You know, what's God been teaching you and your own struggles with COVID and stuff? I think I, th- I think there's a couple of things. Um... You know, the, the, the first thing is this, that I think when, when we look back on this pandemic, uh, and I, I shared a message on this with our church at the end of the year, actually, because I felt very strongly about it uh, at the end of last year. Um, when we look back on COVID, it will be the pandemic of cancellations. You know, everything was cancelled. All the travel was cancelled. All the, you know, the theatres, the movie screenings, you know, everything was cancelled, you know, even going out for dinner and all of that, everything kind of ground to a halt. Um, so, so COVID very much is the, is the COVID or is, is the cancellation pandemic, but it hasn't cancelled out the church. Mm-hmm. And that has been really, you know, it, it's been difficult for us. We, you know, we, we haven't met physically since last March, um, as we record this here and now, we're going back in two days' time for our first Sunday, and I cannot wait. Um, being a hugger, I obviously can't do that, so that's going to be a challenge in itself. Um, air hugs. But <laughs> we can do air hugs. We can. Um, so I'm really looking forward to getting back and doing that. But 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 through this pandemic, God has really shown me that the church has not been cancelled, and you know. <laughs> 
when, when Jesus talks about building his church, you know, he doesn't say I will build my church until the COVID pandemic comes along 2000 years later. You know, he, he doesn't put that clause in there. Uh, and the church has endured. And we've seen that, yes, for some churches, it's been a struggle. You know, yes, I'm sure some churches have had to close their doors. And that's incredibly sad. But but the church as a whole has endured through this. We have, you know, we have struggled through this at times. It's it's funny when the government last year first closed the churches. I listened to people, you know, very passionate people, but I listened to people complain about you know oh you know the the government's persecuting the church and you know and I, and I think well if you look at other countries around the world and the persecution that other believers go through we don't know we're living here like the call it persecution yeah neither would i like it's you know and, and i i i all i find myself saying well actually in the churches or in the countries around the world where persecution is the highest we're seeing the church grow even more so actually maybe a little bit of persecution for us in the uk wouldn't be a bad thing because there is that correlation um so that's but that's been a big thing michael is that um that the church will endure and uh, there, there's nothing that can come along that can be thrown at us um that will stop the church from enduring you know i've heard so many stories from from pastors and other church leaders um, of people who have come to faith in this um you know in this uh, pandemic kind of era um i've also really learned that covid um hasn't cancelled out god and that's so so important because during this pandemic there have been times you know I think for all of us, there have been times when we felt really low and there's been times where it has been really difficult, particularly the, the lockdown we've just kind of come out of where the weather was really dark and rubbish and you couldn't do anything. That was a real struggle for most people mentally, I think. Um, but God was still there. God was still carrying us through that. God was still sustaining us. And, you know, God is is always there. There is nothing that can cancel him out. Um, and so as we, you know, as we still go through this pandemic, we're not out of it by any means. But, you know, for me, and I, I've encouraged our church to do this as well, it's, it's about let's keep looking to him because he's still there. He's still in control. He's still on the throne. And I come back to what I've kind of summed up my testimony. He knows what he's doing, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's, you know, that's the, the kind of overriding thing for me in every aspect of my, my life, my faith, my ministry. He knows what he's doing. And, you know, as human beings, we think we know it all. We think we know all the answers, um, how wrong we are. Yeah. Um, but we have a God who does know it all. We have a God who does have all the answers. Um, and so... It's okay that we don't know it all because we can rely on, we can depend on, and we can trust in him because he does know what he's doing. Mm -hmm. That is well said. And before I'm closing prayer, thank you, David, for that. I want to throw out a challenge. We heard David said, God knows what he's doing. Mm. He knows what he's doing in your life. It says in Proverbs 16:9, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord determines their steps. Will you let the Lord determine the steps in your life? Maybe you're as unsettled like David was. The only place you can treat truly settled in life is in the will of God. Mm. Go on. 
take that step. We're going to pray. Now that's you. Join us in this prayer. Let's pray together. Father, in all things, you are king, you are sovereign. And we know all things work together for good. And Lord, we're praying, Lord, you know our hearts and you know who's listening. You know their hearts, you know their desires. Lord, I pray, Lord, that it will be you who will determine their steps. Yeah. That you will guide them in your truth and mercy and goodness would follow them on this journey. Mm. You've called them in, in this season and in their places. Lord, open doors to people. Give them opportunities. And I pray if there's someone here who does not know you, that by the end of this episode they'll come to know you, or a backslider come back to know you, or a young person wanting to step out in ministry, or an older person, who knows, that they would just take that step and trust you mm. for the safest places to be in your will. And with that being said, Lord, your will be done in our lives. Thank you for my brother David. I ask, I ask you to bless his church in you for us. I thank you for his heart and passion, Lord, and his journey. And yet you do know what you're doing. Yeah. So, Lord, we commit our lives, we commit our thoughts, we commit our plans all to you, knowing that you know what's best for us. We ask it mm. in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Stories of Hope. Thank you, David, for coming along. Praying that God bless you on your first scouring. Um, back after so long and praying that you'll experience love and care for Christ as you gather in his word and I pray for boldness and oh, just for God to show up in your meeting. But until next episode, take care, everybody. Stay safe and look forward to seeing you next week. Take care and God bless. Bye-bye.